Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? I'm sorry, I gotta I'm gotta prep for the episode. I got I can snake and can sneak and put this in my pussy. Put this in my pussy. Fuck you, pissed. Oh, Fuck you, right. pissed. Welcome to the <laughs> podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben, hanging out with Marcus and the newly possessed Henry Zabrowski. And I just want to say this, Henry, you must feel right at home now that the devil is literally inside of your asshole. Honestly, he has never been happier inside of my asshole. It has been really nice. He purchased it furnished. Oh. And he said he didn't need to change a thing when he showed up. He was so excited because he's just like, this shit is incredible. Like, you wow. talk about my literal shit inside of nice. my fucking asshole. Um, this episode's going to be spooky. This Ooh, was an yeah. episode we were trying to get into before the Halloween season ended, but it ended up we spent too long in the fun world of Paul Bernardo and Carla Amorga. <laughs> Yuck. And so now we're here where the ghosts are. They are at least tangible. Absolutely. Today's episode, it's part one, and I'm super excited to get into this tale. Everyone's seen the haunting picture, but we will figure out the tale behind it. We are discussing Annalisa Mickle. Annalisa Mickle was a 24-year-old devout Catholic German who died of starvation in 1976 after participating in 67 exorcism rites over nine months. Oh and this God. was, of course, in lieu of being treated for her actual medical conditions of epilepsy and depression. But isn't it better to do her Dungeons and Dragons-like symptoms first instead of all these boring like medical problems? Who gives mm-hmm. a shit, right? Because when it comes yeah. down to you, it's like it's either the devil <laughs> or it's epilepsy. <laughs> I think epilepsy is really the thing they should have focused on much more as opposed to 67 exorcisms. The people involved in the exorcisms were subsequently put on trial in Germany for negligent homicide, making it one of the few trials in modern history where the defense tried to prove that demonic possession was real in court. 
That has to be a fun day for a lawyer, though, because it's the same <laughs> amount of proof that like it's the same amount of proof that Casey Anthony was molested. That is that possessions are real. You know what I mean? And the idea of putting together the same story really works. Like this idea that like they're like, this is it. Tonight we put the devil on trial. <laughs> and then they go to trial. They're like, this is it. The devil will go to jail today. And it turns out, no, 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 no. Every single time priests go to jail. Oh, yeah. you can just see the defense attorney just being like, the devil is real. Look at my wife. And then you'd be like, sir, this is not marriage therapy. It doesn't. Come on, sir. You have to stop. Yeah, God, the guy wanted you to be a stand-up comedian, but you wanted to said, be a lawyer. Said no wife ever. And then you give her Snickers, no. and then she's fine. And then really what came down to is that I think a lot of this would have been solved with some well-placed snacks. I agree with uh, that. All of this would have been solved with food. Just mm. feeding Just the food. And also, with the, concerning the lawyers, like it doesn't bode well that the defense lawyers also defended a fair amount of Nazis during the Nuremberg trials. Ah, uh, well, mm. you know, it was probably, they paid good money. And honestly, they yeah. are at that point, the Nazis had become job creators. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sure they did get paid pretty good. Now, people dying during exorcism is not a common thing in modern times, at least when compared to the Middle Ages, when any mental illness or mysterious neurological disorder might be blamed on demonic possession. Hey, don't tell that to the nun that was tortured to death in Romania in 2003. This is in Tanaku. Hey, I'm just saying not common, not never happened. I mean, to the Tanaku, Tanaku exorcism, T-A-N-A-C-U, Tanaku this was in Romania, and there was this is the story of a bunch of other priests that went to jail for starving a nun to death who was tied to a cross in a basement for a week, then where they were trying to, quote-unquote, stop her from self-harming. And we'll get into, I'll talk a little bit more in detail about this as we go through the exorcism of Annalisa Mikkel, because when it comes down to it, there are, there are a lot of similarities, and it's difficult when you have a screaming, writhing, foaming woman saying, I don't want to hate, I don't want to hate, and she's not just like your model girlfriend. Right, yeah. okay, intriguing indeed. And she's biting you, kicking, screaming, being a generally violent person. It's very difficult. Can't get within six feet of her. Literally a whirling dervish, and she's fucking trying to pluck out her own eyeballs. This is not even an exaggeration, like trying to bite her own tongue off punching herself in the face, cutting herself, doing all this kind of shit. It's really difficult when you are just a sad, long beard priest. Now, Annalisa Mickle's possession came at a very particular time in the history of the Catholic Church. And the context of what was going on internally with the Catholics goes very far in explaining why the exorcists were so stubborn with performing exorcism after exorcism on Annalisa. See, in 1962, about 10 years before Annalise's death, Pope John XIII formed an ecumenical council to institute reforms to the Catholic Church in order to bring the Church into the modern age, because the Pope was afraid that the modern world was leaving the Church behind. They were going to let altar boys shave their pubic hair. No, <laughs> Which I think is incredible. It's incredible they caught up. Yeah. After three years of discussion, the council produced 16 documents that proposed significant developments in Catholic doctrine and practice, including, for example, decrees about how the church can use mass media. Before, the oh. church would not yet, like, we'll, we'll not, we're staying away from radio, we're staying away from TV, staying away from all that. 
after this uh, ecumenical council, they're like, we need to use these pieces of media in order to get the word out. Is that why our new friendly Pope did that stupid TikTok video where he like threw the hat and then he appeared on the other side? You've seen these TikTok videos where they throw clothing no. and then they appear on the other I've side of it. I've seen that. I didn't see it's the Pope TikTok. do it. He did it. And this is where it comes I from. I don't particularly care to think of the Pope disrobing, to be honest. But uh, that's, I'm so happy TikTok is being used for the wrong reasons. Man, mm -hmm. do you think he's got one of those hyper-bent penises? I Probably. was watching this commercial last night that was bentcarrot.com, and it was about, it was these two couples, you know how like in those commercials where they like look at each other and they just smile and stuff, and this one guy's holding this crazy, like twisted up carrot, and it was supposed to be about having a super, super bent dick. It better be bent in the right direction. But it's all about you have to because I guess your dick can keep bending and bending if it's already bending too extreme. So it's all about a series of injections that they put to the shaft of your fucking cock. And then they have to pull on it. They, okay. I looked this up. They have to pull on it and straighten it out like it's a broken leg, like it's on the descent. And they have to like fuck. Yeah. But then they're smiling and stuff. And they keep saying like, you know, sexual occurrences can't happen up to six weeks after the injections. I was like, yeah, it's going to be years. Before uh -huh. I have sex, if you put three hyperdermic needles in my fucking dick. A bit of a non sequitur there, but sorry, important sorry. to get that out. Absolutely. <laughs> think about it. All right. Well, basically, this ecumenical council was looking at the Catholic Church's rules the way some people look at the United States Constitution as a living document that's supposed to shift and be reinterpreted with the times. Now, wasn't that like new thought, like this idea that like, no, we can actually change shit. Like we should actually look at this like we are modern, quote unquote, modern people. We should be able to move into the future. They were just worried they were going to lose money if they weren't cool in the eyes of the kids. So they were like, we know yeah. what to do. Stop fucking them. Start telling them the devil is inside of them. <laughs> uh, but it was like also it's about staying hardcore for the 4chan audiences is what mm -hmm. you're saying. <laughs> well, basically, like the, the church's rules and regulations, all these sort of, they hadn't really changed that much in about a thousand years. This was the first Damn. big this was the first big redo uh, in a millennium. Now, most in the church agreed with these changes, which collectively came to be known as Vatican II. But All there right. were many... <laughs> I love Vatican II. Vatican III is the best when they adopt the kid from India. Man, that one is really fantastic. I love Vatican III. What, what people don't know is that popes have to sign a contract where you have to agree to be in up to Vatican 350. Whoa! That's an IP joke. But there were many in the church who believed that changing from the old ways would weaken the church and make the fight against evil and the devil... That much harder. Mm. Yes, yes. Ironically, it was the truest believers, the ones who believed that the devil was a very real presence on earth who interfered in the lives of human beings who were ensuring the people left the church in droves. Mm. But these people, the conservative hardliners, believed that the changing of Catholic doctrine would not only ensure that the world became the domain of the devil, but it would also anger God in the Old Testament style. Uh-oh. Honestly, can't they evaluate at some point that if you have to, like, walk around, you know, like, my dad was a bad alcoholic. We weren't allowed to make any sort of noise in the house until, like, whenever it was time for dad to rouse himself for work. Sure. Why, did, why does God have to be like that? I think your dad was a good alcoholic, uh, number mm. one. And I think that God, you know, he's drunk on He was power. good at it. He was very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> who would be bad at it? If that's the metric of good oh, and bad, bad who would be bad? I think bad at it is Graham Parsons. Like, 
Grand Park, <laughs> I was going to say Towns Van Zandt, because Towns Van Zandt would just go and be alone and listen to records. Henry's father was just that, a father. And yeah. let's not forget, an active police officer. <laughs> it's, how he's, it's how he relaxed enough to do his job. Mm-hmm. Well, enter Annalisa Mickle. When hardline conservative Catholic German priests were made aware that a young devout Catholic woman was being tormented by the devil in Klingenberg, oh. they jumped at the chance to intervene. Absolutely. And she had the Callista Flockhart looks that they oh, were looking mm-hmm. to be their new cover girl. Good reference. After years of examination, the priests began poking the bear, making Annalise's condition far worse. Mm. Eventually, they came to the conclusion that this was a case of atonement possession, not demonic possession. Mm. What that basically means is that they believed that God had sicked a whole host of demons, including (sighs) Emperor Nero and Hitler, on this innocent young girl because he was angry about the reforms of Vatican II and was trying to get the world's attention. It makes very little sense. Since when did Hitler get the fucking promotion to deem? Yeah, Hitler should be having pineapple shoved up his ass like in uh, in uh, in um, the movie with Adam Sandler. No, we uh, all yeah, know with if Little he, Nicky. Yeah, Little Nicky. Little Nicky is supposed to be there. Gary is supposed to be there. Aww. This is a your pretty face is going to hell lore question because it comes down to the tortured are on one side and the fucking demons are on the other side and I won't fucking have it. Yeah, not to mm-hmm. mention... You know, we talk about her being tormented. Imagine Nero and Hitler having to hang out. Those two egos inside the same body. That oh, must yeah, have been yeah, a cat yeah. fight. Yeah, what? <laughs> it's like having Mario Batali, I guess not anymore. It would be like having Gordon Ramsay in the kitchen with my mother. <laughs> well, the funny thing about uh, the Hitler demon is that one of the priests later said when they were uh, during the exorcisms, Hitler would come out every once in a while and all he would do was scream Heil over and over and over again. And the other demons would supposedly make fun of Hitler and say, ah, he never says anything of substance. Don't listen to him. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, I guess a part it's a, it shows you like how much these things really are influenced by culture because this is sure. Germany in 1976 a lot of people are still very angry at hitler in germany in 1976 i really do forget about that Mm -hmm. context it really did patch more punch back in the day and i I do like that they just criticize him like he is jeff foxworthy just doing the (laughs) like you know if you're a nazi if like literally just him doing his same old bits but in hell you might be a dictator if but of course hitler is still hated uh, universally yeah 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 you're right you're right (laughs) Well, these priests believed that if they could prove that Annalisa was being possessed because God was angry about Vatican II, then they could go to the Pope and show him that they were wrong to change anything. And since Annalisa was herself a devoted conservative Catholic from a family who felt the same, she provided the other end of the feedback loop, playing the role of a possessed person to both appease the most powerful authority figures in her world and her own deeply held beliefs Hmm. see this is something interesting that i think that we're hitting on here because the the bishop had to give permission for this whole exorcism and obviously we're going to go into the details of how this ran up uh and but i never really saw it that way until you pitched it like that about this idea that like they also had a thing at stake here as well right the catholic church was looking for somebody that they could also use as an example and a lot of Mm -hmm. times exorcisms i was reading a really interesting i bought a textbook because i was looking for scientific mm-hmm. uh i was looking for scientific approaches 
to uh, exorcism. And this one thing I found called the social scientific study of exorcism in Christianity. It's very dry, but that it was kind of talking about that, about how the, these types of exorcisms have been such an intrinsic part of this, like every religion has a form of exorcism, mm -hmm, but in mm -hmm. Christian shit, it really does pin down the lore, right? It really does help be like, no, our shit is real. And it has like, it's proof. The devil is real and we can prove it. As Henry said, we'll get it more into it. But so did Annalisa enjoy this process in the beginning when she was when she was the prize no. pig at the, at no. the, uh, at no, the no, county no. fair it, in Iowa? Enjoy. Enjoy is never a word. OK, so she no. wasn't like, oh, I'm the one possessed. This is so cool. Now we get to prove that the devil is real and I happen to be the one to do it. <laughs> Had nothing to do with it. Okay. Had, <laughs> had I wish. absolutely nothing. No, she's not the, the fucking character that we created for a comic book. Like this is a, okay. this is an entirely this is an entirely different thing. It's much more human and a lot more complicated than mm. that. Annalisa had accepted her death as an inevitability by the end. It was an atonement for the sins of the youth of Germany. Basically, it was her job to starve to death while a small crowd of priests and family members watched her do it over the course of nine months oh all because gosh. she and the people in charge thought it was necessary and i have to do this i have to do it it's that kind of like she did become an embodiment of martyrdom in her yes, way sir. i don't think she started that way but she, no, no, she, she viewed no but she viewed it as over time as like this is my purpose in life which is really it's fucked up and i think that's one thing that we'll talk about a lot on the show about this like weird completing the loop thing mm -hmm. of what possession is right mm -hmm. like when it comes down to it like how many times have we tried to pin it down whether or not there are demons most people say that there are not actual corporal demons that come from another dimension and take over your body but there is such a constant societal like they, like there's been possessions and exorcisms in every form of human society. And it, there is something about this because it's an expectation coming from being raised in a specific world and then kind of like, all right, now you have to act possessed and we have to act like we're unpossessing you. Yeah, it's almost like mm -hmm. the medical system uh, is deeply flawed. Because uh, That seems to be the main problem here is that they mm -hmm. didn't get the right diagnosis. Whatever, what? you fucking pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, she did. We'll get into that. It wasn't that she didn't get the right diagnosis. It was that she didn't accept it. Because Annalisa suffered from epilepsy starting in 1968, eight years before her death in 1976. Mm. Now, epilepsy is a lifelong condition that can be hard to accept. And in Annalisa's case, it might have been easier to believe that she was temporarily possessed rather than permanently afflicted. It's just so sad as well that she had nine months of starvation in Germany. The best food, the Bavarian mm. pretzel, the <laughs> schnitzel, <laughs> the brats, the, the, mm, the delicious pilsners, if she, mm, the cheeses. Yeah. Mm, if she was in like a food mm. desert in deep Indiana, if she lived in Gary, I would say, <laughs> you know what, I might starve there. But my God, yeah. so sad. Huh. Beautiful Germany. Mm. And so with all of these factors at play, Annalisa Mickle slowly died over the course of not just the nine months she endured exorcisms, but the eight years in which she convinced herself that her maladies were not physical, but spiritual. Oof. In other words, this story is one of a tragic slow burn. Yeah, this is like sludge metal. <laughs> of all of them. like this is a real low, low heat, low heat, and it gets hotter yeah. and hotter and hotter as it goes. 
Yeah, I'm getting some Terry Schiavo vibes as well. I can imagine how uh, traumatic it is to watch somebody suffer uh, you know, through starvation. Well, for sources on this series, we've got Annalisa Mickle, A True Story of Demonic Possession by Lawrence Blanc, and The Exorcism of Annalisa Mickle by Felicitas D. Goodman. Both had their merits, but for this series, we used the Blanc book more. I will say, I also didn't really understand just how bad epilepsy was until you did your Joy Division series for No Dogs, and I was listening mm-hmm. through that. And just that idea of, like, man, just not being able to trust your own brain, and yeah. especially Annalisa, as you as we'll see, she tried so many different things, and nothing really cut the mustard in, mm. in terms of treatment for her. Yeah. Yeah, also, yeah, Germany has great mustard as well. It's the mustards, <laughs> and then you've got yeah. the mm, pretzels are so mm. good. Yeah. Oh, and two Wiener schnitzel. So Annalisa Mickel was born in Liebelfing, Germany on September 21st, 1952 to two devout conservative Catholics named Anna and Josef. Now, by this point in the episode, you might have noticed that I've used the term devout conservative Catholic a number of times. Yes. That's because the depth of this family's belief and the depth of their community's belief could not be more important to understanding how all of this came to be. See, priests were the only Catholics upset about the changes to the Catholic Church. There were also many congregants who believed that the devil was gaining ground due to Vatican II. Mm. Yeah, you fucking slowing down. I'm speeding up, bro. I am creating the Nintendo Switch. The devil better be thanking his lucky stars the Catholics exist. Otherwise, no one would believe in him. Uh-huh. Seriously. And Annalise's parents were just such people. And since Annalisa was a very impressionable conformist, she believed this as well, even if she didn't necessarily understand it growing up. She just knew the Vatican II was bad. Right, right. Now, Annalisa's father, Joseph, had wanted to become a priest when he was a young man, but didn't have the brain for Latin. So he went to <laughs> trade school until the age of 22. World War II broke out, Uh-oh. and Joseph was drafted to fight for the Nazis in both the Western and Eastern fronts. You see, that's why in all those shows, that's why in every single one of those World War II shows, it shows like the two young guys, right? Like they have, it's like some Nazi prisoner, and then you're sitting there, and you and he says like, cigarettes, and the guy goes, yeah, yeah. And they always have the same scene, being like, I didn't understand that they'd have boys fighting us on the other side as well. <laughs> Powerful. We all learned today. No, listen, everybody gather now. He's a boy. He's a boy. He is a boy. He is a boy. By 1950, Joseph had married a woman named Anna, and they started a family together in the small mountain town of Klingenberg, whose name roughly translates in English to Blade Mountain. Dang, all right. What up, Blade Mountain? Located in rural Bavaria, Klingenberg was conservative and predominantly Catholic. That is where the first white people came out of the ground. <laughs> like those mountains. They just came, they just popped up up there. When the children of Klingenberg are young, they're taught the story of Dr. Faustus. Yes. Faustus made a pact with the devil, who oh. then murdered Faustus by tearing him limb from limb and splattering his brains against the walls. But, but devil, this is not in the pact. Devil, this is not in the pact. I never said <laughs> that you were going to murder you. me. You wanted to win that game of Monopoly. I did, devil. It's not real money, though. I didn't know I was going to have to be torn in half. Yes, well, read the TOS. Oh, damn it. <laughs> yes, it does say that. Children were also taught in Annalise's day, in the latter half of the 20th century, mind you, that witchcraft was real, 
And the reason why there weren't witches anymore was because they'd all been rightfully killed in olden times. That's so fucking sweet. What, 1939 through 42? But dude, I love this type of shit. This is like, you know, again, as elapsed Catholic, now Satanist, this idea of like these things, like I got hit up real hard over the weekend by a member of my family, my aunt, who asked me, why do I do what I do? Right. Literally asked me, like, why are you into what you're into? And I think I was like and I decided I was like, well, fuck this. Gloves are off. And I was like, it's because I was raised Catholic. And then they all like gripped their shirts. They're like, what? Because I was like, (laughs) it was just funny to still have the effect. I like that. I I could still get them. Um, But it really comes down to it. I was like, it's this idea that you believe in the literal truth of all of these supernatural things and yeah. the, the all of this is devils and witches and all that being real it's fucking awesome yeah it's really <laughs> awesome until of course it, it infiltrates our politics and then yeah, you start uh, everything sucking little penises also, and stuff yeah i don't know, like that but it's- if anyone ever asks you like why are you a satanist just you know take off your shirt and show them Oh, what? Because my body? Yeah. You have a Satanist body. No, it's not. It's, I'm saying it looks good in robe. You have a garb. You have a garb body. I, mean, mm-hmm. I, am, better, I am better in tubed shape clothing. Oh. <laughs> well, Annalisa was further taught that there were still women possessing evil powers skulking around who could make life miserable for good Christians with a well-placed curse. And that well-placed curse could... <laughs> result in demonic possession this is like school talk wow this is modern times yeah this is like ni- this is 19 si- like early 1960s early to mid 1960s when okay. all this shit is still being taught in rural bavaria wow now this sort of thinking was fairly common in bavarian catholics who could be compared to modern fundamentalist american christians american christians are taught lots of wacky shit to mm-hmm. this day oh yeah these Bavarian Catholics believed that Rome had liberal political views. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> if Rome? you're to the right of Rome, I don't yeah. know like what you want. Like, how do you even eat food? Because you're like, taste is for every time you taste something that is good, you get one de- single demarcation on your soul. Oh, so yeah. sad. Yeah. So, and yeah, the- it has a bit of a history with fascism. Um, yes. So uh-huh. that's kind of interesting. They would think it was liberal, but. And the Bavarian priests, for the most part, took pride in holding on to uncompromised Catholic traditions. They were so hardlined that they were aghast when it was decreed that priests should place the Eucharist into the hand of the congregant instead of directly on the tongue. Because this lessened the power control dynamic between priest and common person. Um, Priest Ben Kissel here. Priest Ben Kissel here. I just have a question. So we're supposed to put it in their hand now, but I've actually been doing it more of a mouth to mouth. So I put, <laughs> I put the little cracker. It's an oyster cracker. That's what we use in our churches, little oyster crackers because they're kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And then I put it in my mouth and then I tongue it into their mouth. Is that still allowed? <laughs> well, there was um, this guy. Uh, honestly, my my uh, my church, these guys were so like devout. They were so into it that my father, Thomas, he used to uh, dick to mouth transference. He used to put the <laughs> Eucharist at the very tip of his mm. penis. And that's the uh. only way to intimately take yeah, it. My priest used to call that star bursting. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> yes. Oh, but the, uh, the irony wow. is they used to do that in church, obviously, Catholic school. You you get the Eucharist in your hand, but then everyone sips out of the same goddamn goblin or, you know, the, the same little, uh, what is it called? Goblet? The goblet. 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 It's a goblet. Yeah. goblet. Chalice. And then naturally, during cold and flu season, everyone got sick. Yeah. 
Yeah, dude. Of course. And it's also they all got COVID too, the same way. When all of that burst of COVID that happened in South Korea and like all those places, it came from the Christian places that wouldn't shut down because they had to all suck out of the same like bottle of leftover wine after each other. But you know, mm-hmm. it's good for the environment though, isn't it? No mm-hmm. single-use plastics here. But, but man, that position, you're on, you're on your knees in front of a church priest. Like, it really is. It's just so, it's so, like, I hate it. It's that same view. It's the view from every fucking still from a porn where, like, it's a girl with your mouth wide open and your tongue aghast doing the ahagio. How do you pronounce it? Ahag, ahagio? I don't know. That is ahagio. It is the face that it's the porn face that's on the internet now when the woman sticks her tongue out and her oh, eyes roll up. Oh, hi, y'all. I didn't know there was a term for it. Okay. Got no idea. I'm sorry. Watch the Christian <laughs> documentary series. Okay, please, Lord. Enough. <laughs> now, the rigors that Annalisa Mickle's body were put through over the course of her 67 exorcisms would have been a challenge for even the healthiest woman. But Annalisa had always been a sickly person. Before she was five years old, she contracted mumps, measles, and scarlet fever. And these illnesses were used by Annalise's mother, Anna, as an excuse to keep her away from boys, lest her delicate constitution falter. Mm. But Annalisa wasn't the only Mickle girl to live under strict rules. She had three sisters, and every single one of the Mickles went to church every Sunday and frequently on the weekday evenings between. This was all under the command of their father, Joseph, who, like many rural Bavarian men, made most of the decisions for his family and believed that each and every member owed him their obedience. But what about the women with the big breasts and all the steins? Where do they go? They 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 are still in church there. They're having Those fun. Those big maybe. old heaving fucking mommy milkers. And they got the big beer steins and stuff being like, why can't they just be like that? That kind of Bavarian. Hmm. That would be nice. They're just kind of different. Yeah. Is it different? Why is it though? But do they let their cleavage out at church as well, or do they need to put a napkin oh. over it? No, they don't let their cleavage out at church. They put on I a different know. dress. I feel like the Germans have always been very accepting of the large bosom. They better mm-hmm. perhaps they're allowed to. <laughs> I don't know. Well, for Annalise's part, she conformed completely. She was not rebellious in any way whatsoever, and her ambition in life was, in fact, to teach religious studies, which is about the closest one can get to being a nun without going all the way. It's funny you even say going all the way in, in like, reference to a nun, because it's the only thing they don't ever get to do. Oh, they do it. I mean, you know, I've said it in Wolf of Wall Street, they're always scissoring out there. Yeah. Well, together, her family's conservative Catholic beliefs and her community's belief in supernatural evil came together to create the perfect recipe for demonic possession. All it needed was a spark. Natalie does a good job in Spun talking about these contextual cues about the reason why people don't rebel is because when your entire context is set for you, like you're put in a world where you are put into a subjugated position by men. It's it's a patriarchal system and you're told to do certain things. So it's like Annalisa was like never taught in any way, shape or form that you could rebel because you're actually under the watchful, never ceasing eye of a present God that will immediately. Well, by definition, you're never taught how to rebel. That's the whole point of rebellion. You but do. you know what I mean? You can see it. People who see reference to it outside can kind of understand to get out of it. You're in the middle of Bavarian Germany. I don't know if it's very difficult. I think it's very difficult mm-hmm. to That's do true. something that would be rebellious. Yeah. But I also think that some people are conformist by nature. Mm-hmm. Some people just absolutely love it. They do. Yeah. Some people just love it. Yeah. Because it gives you a guidebook on how to live. 
and you don't have to make yeah. you can you don't have to make it up as you go. Yeah. The only acceptable reason to interrupt a podcast, your dog. That was your dog saying thank you for BarkBox. You can take a minute now. You pet your dog. You're going to learn about Bark. It's the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Yay. Every month, BarkBox decides and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. No, Wendy, I can't get you a whip. You're too cute for weapons. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Mmm, tubers. My dogs love their toys selectively. But BarkBox sends good little ones for their little tiny mouths. They have little mouths, but strong, big spirits. So they fight over the little toys. I imagine they think that they are hunting and going after little bugs and rats and oh they love their life and they love the they love what bark box brings because bark box brings the bark and puts it in a box yep to get your free upgrade go to barkbox.com slash l-e-f-t my sister is the best gift giver i've ever met of any person it's jackie zabrowski she shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it, but guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Every day, I fight to set my child up for success, which is why, as I sit and read Carmi and Wendy Dune, trying to explain to them the concepts of the savior complex not working, doubling back on itself, the concept of what does it mean to be a living God? What are those limitations? What are those expectations? And honestly, I know they just want chicken. But there are kids out there that need this type of direct help. And IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them understand and master topics in a fun way. Not unlike me, reading children, Dune Messiah, getting to about 365, seeing where they're at. See if they understand anything. There's no more grading these worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. You can't even believe it! You don't want to make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And last podcast in the left listeners could get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash left. Visit IXL.com slash left to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. 
Now, while Annalisa was sickly as a young child, the real problem started around the time of her 16th birthday in September of 1968. She suddenly lost consciousness while sitting with a friend, laughing it off later as overexertion. <laughs> but that night, the real terror began. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it fucking did. I, I don't think love, it I mean, it's very not, good, Henry. It's not good, <laughs> but I just lo- I do love possession stories. I can't get over it. I mean, we technically covered this like a million years ago, but it's nice to get into detail about it. But I'm always fascinated. And I listen to all hour and a half while they have of the recording of her various exorcisms. And she is grouchy. Yeah. <laughs> but midnight, Annalisa woke up and found that she couldn't move. An unknown force pressed on her stomach, pinning her down, and she was unable to speak to her sister next to her to make the horror known. Finally, she lost control of her bladder and was then able to move. Now to us, this sounds like sleep paralysis, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. But considering how people have interpreted sleep paralysis as visits from incubus and succubus demons for centuries, it's easy to see how Annalise's thoughts turn toward the diabolical pretty much immediately. Sure. Well, how many stories do we have of shadow people, shadow forms, the tall hat man, the plaid man, like people seeing these things in the middle of sleep paralysis? Scungeely man. <laughs> Don't you ever say it. That you ever fucking say, but you know that that, that idea, yeah, it is. They kind of go hand in hand because there's something about being also on the verge of sleep, and you your brain being in a half dream state, and you see little devils. But really, this moment of paralysis was actually the beginning of Annalisa Mickles' epilepsy. Hmm. Once she was able to move again, she changed her linens, told her mother what happened, and continued with her life for nearly a year with no incident. But in August of 1969, Annalisa had another blackout, and again she had paralysis that night. Her arms went stiff, like they would go dozens of times to come, stretched out in a way that was said to resemble a cat stretching its paws. That's creepy. Yeah. But I know it's epilepsy, so it's not creepy. Sorry. It's not creepy. Yes, it's creepy. Well, it is actually. It is creepy. Well, yeah, it can be both. It's not, I mean, you know, it is what it is. It's okay. If 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 you do go through something like that, yeah. But I guess in the context of... You know, when everyone's screaming that it's demons over and over and over again, Mm. it's, you know, it's got a context to it. It becomes creepy, especially Mm -hmm. when a demon starts using you like a pee-pee accordion. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, pushing and squeezing. (laughs) Leave me alone. You know what I mean? I drink a lot of water before I go to sleep. Like a rubber ducky in a tub. Yeah. Now, despite how it may seem, by the way, the Annalisa Mickles story has been told over and over again, the Mickles did not immediately run to the church with tales of possession. And in fact... It took years for the clergy to ever get involved. I'm not going to give her parents a lot of credit, but they, she did no. go see a bunch of doctors. Okay. Yeah. When Annalisa was struck with another bout of paralysis, she and her mother took her to a doctor to examine her condition. And they were eventually referred to a neurologist named Dr. Siegfried Luthi. That's why I want every neurologist to be named Siegfried. But when Dr. Luthi rightfully diagnosed a neurological condition, Anna Mickle told Annalisa to keep it to herself. Hmm. If anyone found out, Anna said, rumors might spread that Annalisa was crazy. And if it got around enough, she might not get admitted to university. And in this, Annalisa's mother planted a seed of stigma in Annalisa's mind. And this destructive comment would have a huge effect on how Annalisa would approach both her epilepsy and her subsequent mental illness in the years to come. 
because when you go to university in Germany, that's when your breasts get bigger and they give you the steins <laughs> and then you become a thing. That's for beer. They do beer handling university, yeah. which is really there's a lot of different. There's a lot of like scientists and different kinds of people. <laughs> Look at Angela Merkel, man. Leading she, by example. She was a scientist, actually. Didn't the Germans really? invent the COVID vaccine? Yeah. Mm, my, we do whatever, man. Whatever, bro. <laughs> fucking, I fucking used Velcro till I was 12. I just feel like you've been on the road. I know you've been alone for a little while, and I feel like you have a certain obsession today with, with breasts. Oh, breasts? That's okay. No, no, no. I'm just saying, I'm thinking about Germany. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In, in one aspect, anyway. See, Annalisa wanted nothing more than to become a teacher, and she believed that she, if she was ever seen as mentally defective or... If she was ever committed to an institution, she wouldn't be allowed to fulfill her dream. Therefore, once things truly started going wrong, demonic possession was actually the more comforting diagnosis. Isn't that fucked up? That is really true because it comes down to because they don't really understand like epilepsy. They try to how to control it. But then like once you get to demonic possession, it becomes like, I know how to handle this. We get Max von Sydow. Yeah. yeah yeah you can pray it away i mean you're you can have and you can also put it in someone else's hands like have a priest come you do it pray this yeah. away fix this for me sure but at the same time that annalisa was starting to have seizures which is hard enough to deal with her overall health was diminishing as well she caught pleurisy and pneumonia and spent two months in the hospital there she had a third paralytic attack but this time the experience morphed into something Far more terrifying. Yeah, this is creepy. It's like Exorcist Part 3, I think. That all took place in the hospital. Brad Dorff. Yeah. Yeah, Brad Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing. In his his one and only acting role. I love it. Monster. He was also in in the first Space Jam as well, Mr. Ewing. He was. If she does begin to see figures of Patrick Ewing, that is incredible. But it does turn out he was just training. It was just in the summertime. It's a little bit harder. But anyway, that's a whole other show. Annalisa began having visions of what the Germans call Fratzen, which are grimacing, ghastly faces. Did you look it up? What? Did you look up Fratzen? What Fratzen looks like? I mean, uh, I'm familiar with Fratzen. It's creepy. Yeah. Would it be similar to the face that you see in the, obviously it's a fake thing, but the Russian sleep experiment? Like that kind of face of the person. Yes. Is that kind of what it looks like? Yes. Very long smiles. Far okay. too yeah. long smiles. It's a, it's also like, a, you know, in The Exorcist. I mean, we can use The Exorcist as a, a pretty good reference at some point here and there. But, you know, the demon that keeps showing up yes. throughout The Exorcist Ooh. like that. That's yeah, that's basically so what it is. Scary, yeah. You're like, did I see it? And then by the third <laughs> time, you're like, I think I did see it. Oh, I think mm-hmm. I saw that. Yeah. Once these epileptical visions began haunting her, I think epileptical is the right word. Epileptical. Epileptical. She began to believe believe that she was empty inside, save for the devil. And a judgment of fire was coming for everyone around her. Now, it's somewhat common for epileptics, particularly religious ones, to see their condition as a punishment from God for some sin they've committed. Proof that they're wicked. To wit, that belief that God is punishing you can be similar to feelings one gets from depression, i.e. worthlessness, self-loathing, and a general feeling of lost hope. Furthermore, when you see footage of epilepsy patients being medically induced into seizures, it looks like every description of demonic possession you've ever read about. 
It's right. really interesting if you watch footage of epileptic seizures because people do the arch back, the whole thing right. that pe people can look the as screaming. pure. They, they can appear as if they're levitating because they can literally, they use their body in a wave and like bounce up off the bed. So people don't know how you get that fucking height, but it really depends on your core strength to begin with before you get into the epilepsy. And that is true. I know that's weird to say, mm. but her, her sense of emptiness was really interesting because it reminded me of the letters that mother Teresa was writing. Like the, basically what came out after the fact, well, one day we'll do our episode on mother Absolutely. Teresa. I can't wait to mm -hmm. fucking get Scam her artist. fucking ass. But like she's, talked about this emptiness which i think is really interesting i wonder if that's just such this common thing that people that believe they have a very close relationship to god that they're kind of locked into this feeling like it's a it's a like i'm with him i'm 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 in a vibe i'm vibing with god to do b2021 about it but it's like you can then also so feel 2021 henry so 2021 <laughs> yeah, dude, <vibing laughs> with, so 2021 i don't know i don't <laughs> But you know what I mean? It's weird that no, that course. sense of it's emptiness whole, is like God is my co-pilot is not just a bumper sticker. It is yeah. that's how they that's how they uh, interpret I mean, it. She's experiencing straight up depression here. Mm. And, and that's what happened. Like, you know, when I'm, some of the things that I watched about epilepsy is that, you know, epilepsy comes first and then unre it's related, but unrelated. It's not like physically related, but epilepsy is e extraordinarily difficult uh, to live with. Extraordinarily difficult. And mm. a lot of times yeah. depression comes from realizing like, oh, this is something that I have to deal with. My life is forever altered. Uh, and and Elisa was starting to become that sort like she was starting uh, to come to that conclusion, you know, that this is something right. forever. But she didn't want to believe that it is something that is that was going to last forever. Mm. And she was experiencing hallucinations outside of the Fratzen. She told her doctor that she experienced terrible stenches that smelled to her like burning fecal matter, which... That burning fecal matter will become a running theme throughout Annalise's experiences. Hmm. Am I incorrect in saying that it seemed like her family would also sometimes smell the fucking doo-doo smell? Like they would also the smell The people it. who were all in on it could smell the burning fecal smell. The people who were not were like, I have no fucking clue what you're talking about. Okay. It could have just been the, the European lack of deodorant. Could be. Oh, perhaps. Or maybe it's the new candle from Goop. Ah, funny. Fecal matter. It smells funny. like when it is poo poo. <laughs> it's doo doo. <laughs> well, in this, we have another symptom of epilepsy. Basically, mm. epilepsy is an electrical short circuit in the brain. If it shorts out your motor functions, you get stiffness and jerking. If it affects your memory function, your memories get scrambled. But if it affects the sensory centers of your brain, you have hallucinations that can be auditory, visual, and olfactory. Furthermore, if a seizure tweaks the same part of the brain again and again, the hallucinations will be more or less the same thing every time. Hence, burning fecal matter showing up again and again and again. That's okay. like why if you open up a dude's head, you could stick your finger into the same like part of the brain and like his leg will shoot up or like, mm -hmm. like his penis will get hard. Right? Sure. Mm -hmm. it, 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 yeah, I don't know about the last one, but sure. <laughs> but can you not do that? Isn't that not true that you just go like... And then your brain does stuff, or does that work? It doesn't work like that. You might be thinking of a cartoon. I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, I refuse know, to be maligned. I refuse to be maligned on this show. I have no idea. I'm not a neural scientist. Neurologist. <laughs> and those hallucinations can be strong enough where people around the afflicted can share them if they want to believe hard enough. 
People saw, heard, and smelled what they wanted when they were around Annalisa Mickle. And eventually, mm. everyone with the proper background of belief experienced the burning fecal smell as well. Wait, wait a second. No, Gary, you're thinking about citrus fruits again. We are thinking, we are manifesting the smell of burning shit, okay? So if you fucking think about another good smelling thing again, you're out of the group. You're out of here. All right, I guess that's fine. I mean, I don't like jasmine, but you guys all seem to like it. Now, after her third epileptic episode, Annalisa was given an EEG scan in hospital, but nothing was found just yet that might indicate abnormal brain activity. So, she was prescribed an anticonvulsant and discharged with somewhat of a shrug. Like, well, yeah, like, well, give her some anticonvulsants, see what happens. Sure. But her sisters noticed that her personality had changed, where before she was a sweet Bavarian young woman well on her way to adulthood. Annalisa was now becoming moody. She was quiet, withdrew from her friends, and only wanted to talk about religious topics. Yeah, she did really become kind of a, she did become a bummer uh, in a way. But it's hard because they, you are seeing, quote unquote, proof of what you think is God and this type of thing in your life. So you, I imagine you become obsessed with it. And then also like the same the, sort of the idea of like, y'all don't get me anymore because of what I'm going through. On the inside. And religion yeah. exists in the unexplainable, right? That's why people find it. They try to find an explanation for the unexplainable. And in this case, obviously, she didn't realize her sickness. So there you go. Fill mm -hmm. in with God. Yep. Then things got worse when Annalisa told her mother about the Fratzen. Instead <gasps> of going the medical route, Anna and Joseph began seeing the symptoms as something supernatural. As Annalise's mother, Anna, put it, the priests were always talking about Satan and how he was always trying to tempt everyone. And it seemed to them like this was exactly what was happening in their own home. And Ben, when you said earlier, like, did Annalisa uh, enjoy some of it? I don't think she did. I think her parents, though, did to, uh, at, at some level, did enjoy that proof of like, right. oh, man, it's happening to us. This thing that the de that we're the priests are saying, we're special. <sighs> it's happening to us. So perverted yeah. and weird. It would be like if the Ramsey family was like, wow, I can't believe our daughter got to die in our basement. And now we're celebrities. We're on, uh, on TV. some level. We're on the TV. I'm running for Congress. It comes straight from Job, right? This idea that like you're chosen to suffer specifically for God symbolically, like we're, we're choosing you. And again, because again, you're then chosen. Mm hmm. And I think, well, I think the Mickles, of course, would never choose this over having a happy and healthy daughter. Of mm -hmm. course not. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that I think that once the possibility came that they could be one of the chosen people, one of the special people uh, that God touches, whether it be negative or positive, I think it appealed to them. And I think they encouraged it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you could have made her a professional basketball player. That would have been nice. Go they ahead. could have done anything. Anything. Now, over the next two years, Annalisa suffered from more seizures and was prescribed various anticonvulsants. She was given more EEGs that all came back normal, but the blackouts, demonic faces, and burning fecal smells kept showing up. Eventually, Annalisa said she began hearing knocking sounds in her room, and before long, her sisters were also saying that they were hearing knocking coming from inside Annalisa's closet, under her floor, and above the ceiling. Can I just be me for a second and say that, like, I do believe, right? Obviously, I feel like there's a medical basis to all of this. But the thing that I'm always going to keep hitting, I always think that if you, 
live in a certain headspace, if you manifest a certain reality, things start to pop up like this, right? Like things do, you begin to fill it out on your own through, let's say, psychic projection. Like maybe there is a way that you'd like what we see in poltergeist activity, these types of things, where a young woman whose guts are all filled with blood, she gets all mad and shit, right? Wherever up her head, her upstairs gets all bing-bongy, right? She, the, her uterus starts shooting out mind waves, right? I don't know if this is all true, but the idea that you can create right. poltergeist activity from a physical problem, like from inside of you, that I, I, I think it's interesting. I think that the idea of like weird activity being around this woman makes a lot of sense. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Well, I mean, probably, probably not. Like I'll take it, you know. Just, 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 just trying to engage in discussion with my friends. Of course, of course. Well, the visions of demonic faces became more frequent, and the hallucinations had increased. There were now voices telling her that she was to be damned to hell forever. And while Joseph disregarded these claims. Anna said that she saw her daughter standing before a statue of the Virgin Mary, her eyes jet black Whoa. and full of hatred. Oh, my. No, isn't there a symptom of epilepsy, of the dilating of the pupils? Maybe. Like something like that. Isn't there something along that because you, you can have this? Or I, I believe, maybe I'm incorrect. Email side stories, LPOTL at gmail.com to tell me how, just how incorrect I am. I do believe that certain types of mental problems like the idea of like when you're seeing things your eyes do react like when you're tripping balls sure. right like how like the pupils open up and then you kind of see more shit and your periphery vision increases mm -hmm. it says here that there's a the there seems to be like anecdotal evidence of people saying that they their pupils dilate you know quite large when they're um you know when they have seizures and, and you know epileptic episodes and things like that so that could be some that could be part of it okay now, Annalisa did try to reach out, speaking to a doctor in 1973 about how she was living a life of apathy filled with suicidal thoughts, able to perceive but not experience life. This is textbook depression. Yeah. Mm. But instead of getting her treatment, her father, Joseph, tried more God and went with her on a group bus trip to the San Damiano Monastery in Italy. Well, that was special to her. She loved the San Damiano Monastery. Like, she would go, like, because that's, like, that thing. I think we talked a little bit during our Black Death series about the idea that there were, like, there are places that people, like, shrines that you go to, especially in the Catholic religion, where there's, like, a saint's, like, belt buckle is there, yeah. and then you got to go touch it three times or whatever, and then mm -hmm. you get good luck. So this is, like, one of those spots where if you look at the pictures of it, it's very pretty. It's very, like, yeah. little pretty church you go to, but apparently that was, like, her favorite touchy God spot. Okay. Mm -hmm. But before Annalisa even set foot in the structure, the demonic delusions took hold. She claimed to have been unable to enter the monastery shrine because the soil burned like fire under her feet. She then tried the back door but couldn't pass through the garden. She couldn't look at holy pictures or sacramentals and was unable to drink water offered from the shrine's well. Joseph even bought her a medal hoping that it might alleviate something. Yeah, those little charms. Little charms that you can get. Yeah, like the medals of St. Christopher that yeah. a lot of people tend to wear around. But Annalisa couldn't wear it because she claimed that it pressed her chest to the point where she couldn't breathe. Wow. On the bus trip home, Annalisa then turned her anger towards the people around her. Ah! Oh my God, <laughs> bus ride from hell. I would love to hear their perspective. Yeah. 
She near attacked the trip's arranger, Mrs. Thea Hine, breaking her rosary and mocking her using a deep voice and improper language. Gotcha, bitch! <laughs> gotcha again, bitch! Gonna slap your tits! Improper <laughs> language. Come on! According to fellow bus riders, Annalisa, in this moment, exuded that same stench of burning fecal matter. Wow. That's just that constant slow release of farts that you get when you're traveling long distance. That but is Annalise, possible. I mean, honestly, though, that's a good... What, did she defecate herself? Was she shitting herself? She might have been. If she's I, that I, mean, I really don't know. I mean, it maybe, is Germany. I don't know. I do know that she would lose control of her bladder. Sometimes during uh, seizure, she would um, wet her, She would urinate herself. Uh, I don't know about defecating. She might have, but there was okay. no... From what I saw, there wasn't... Um, that was not specified. You did some poo-poo work. You did some investigation. Got you, man. Thank you, Marcus. <laughs> Little poo-poo. I believe there's an old there's an old German term that says um, the stream runs wide, but the eggs are not seen. <laughs> That's what that means. Because <laughs> right. um, let me ask you this. This also put this question to the two of you. With when it comes to this type of behavior, right? The idea of very classic capital P possession behavior when you're going to these religious sites, what percentage of it is performative because you think you need to do it? And what percentage of it is real? Because if you look at later on, like this is one of these symbols, right? Like in the Tunaku uh, possession where they're like, she wouldn't let us feed her. Like this yeah. scenario, mm. right? Like she won't eat. We had to tie her to the cross because she kept trying to fuck. So yeah, in that that story, a 23-year-old nun was tied to a cross in a shed and then she right. was left there to die. And she died of starvation and dehydration. But the thing Ugh. is, they said they did is because she kept trying to pull her own fucking eyeballs out. And and then they had to put, they stuffed the towel in her mouth because she kept trying to bite the, the tip of her own tongue off Oof. doing this kind of shit. And then she wouldn't eat. What's What do you do? I mean, obviously, you should put a line and a food line in there and stuff, but I'm more like, what's the performative part and what is like, it's this whole constant thing of like, what is possession? It's really so bizarre. I don't, well, I'm sure Marcus has a much better answer, but I remember when I was in high school, there was a wrestler and we would wrestle the, the school and he had Tourette's, this guy, and he mm -hmm. kind of walked, he kind of did like a chicken cluck and then he would yeah. just obviously just scream and curse constantly. Yeah. And uh, I remember talking to our, uh, we, we had like a meeting with it about it and uh, he literally, it was completely out of his control. Sure. So yeah. that, yes. That yes. was, so he did not want to be doing that. And apparently he felt like he was just immensely embarrassed all the time. Oh Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, Annalisa was much the same way. I don't think her um, behavior here was performative yeah. uh, because she was not getting, at this point, was not getting positive validation for what True. was going on. People were fucked up by what she was doing. So it wasn't like, it, yeah, yeah, there wasn't a priest there going, nice. Good work. Like, yeah, <laughs> job security. Upset. One more. This is another yeah. 10 years of job security. Yeah. I think some people do um, do believe that they're possessed and, and their possession does get worse uh, because they are getting positive validation from it. They are getting attention for like it. when they go on Dr. Phil, for example. Mm -hmm. Yes. Annalisa McCall was not uh, in any way looking for attention here. Mm -hmm. Like, she did not want this to no. happen to her at all. She was deeply embarrassed every time that okay. it happened. She just wasn't in control. Uh, she just wasn't in control of her uh, faculties. Right. Now, nobody's exactly sure who first suggested exorcism to Annalisa McKell as a way to solve her problems. Anna McKell, 
Annalise's mother claimed that it was her neurologist, Dr. Siegfried Luthi, who suggested consulting a Jesuit priest. Now, Luthi denied under oath that he ever claimed medical help would be of no benefit to Annalisa, nor did he ever mention demonic possession. Sure. Or so he said. But Thea Hein, who had become friends with Annalisa after she'd been attacked on the bus back from San Damiano, she said she heard Dr. Luthi suggest it. Hmm. But either way, it was Thea Hein who first contacted Father Adolf Rudewick in Frankfurt. Still naming because, him Adolf, huh? Still Adolf. Yeah, yeah, man, I mean, this is, he this, was already... Hey, this, yeah, man, this is 1969, 1970. He was named Adolf long before Adolf was bad. Ah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and he still yeah, had yeah. to walk around, and they still were just calling him like, he said, call me Smokey. Um, call me Lucky. <laughs> call me, well, call me something else. else. He's got to do what the actor Michael Jordan had to do. You got to put the middle initial in there. Yeah, Michael Jeb. Yes. But but you still got Adolf. Adolf B. Yeah. Rodewick is not going to make it any better. <laughs> well, it a little bit. <laughs> but Rodewick, he had already published several books on the subject of possession. He was the local authority. But since he was 79 years old and unable to travel, he recommended Father Herman. This is all exorcist, man. This is so fucking <laughs> crazy because this is Father the entire Herman. plot. <laughs> Beijing Father Herman. Magic Father Herman. <laughs> it, it checks out. Well, Father Herman visited Annalisa 10 times between 1973 and 1975 in the two years leading up to the exorcisms. Now, to his credit, Father Herman did not immediately jump to possession and instead suggested that Annalisa go to a neurologist. Oh, see? Oh, see? So Catholic <laughs> priests are reasonable. <laughs> I know it. You, I think you might come full circle, and when I see you at eighty, you might become a priest. I could see it. Yeah. Oh God! I, if I, if I'm, a, if you see me in a priest uniform, know that this is the end of a very long tax scam that has been going for decades. <laughs> you became a church, is that correct? You're a church. It's me. I'm the whole thing. I'm the oh steeple. God, I'm honestly, the bell. Can we do that? Last podcast is now a church. So stop. I, you, you wait. You wait. You wait. I'm fine with it. <laughs> But when she said that she'd already gone to a neurologist to no avail, Father Herman fatefully passed one of Annalise's letters describing her condition to a half-schizophrenic hardline conservative priest named Father Ernst Alt. Now, this guy is the person that really completes this whole circle okay. of the situation. So he Father was probably Alt, happy. So you think he was happy when he found... He's thrilled, like, oh, we got, to, we got one. We got Real. one. Wow. He is uh, like, and Father Alt, as you know, because he always brought a stool and his notes are out and he kept going, is this something? Is this something? <laughs> um, that's a funny, that's an inside baseball comedy joke. Um, ah, but okay. Father Alt. Oh, I see. Oh, you see, do you oh, see? Yeah, do you see, guys? Yeah, yeah. Please, oh, no, so highbrow. Yeah. Even please, my, guys, even my stay. Yeah. What about me and my stature? Please, yeah. please come with me on this journey. But yeah. Father Alt <laughs> is a, he is exactly as you imagine. It's the, he's like the ultimate exorcist. In my mind, wow. where he's like, he's visions, he sees visions, he hears noises. You're no one's told him, like, I think this guy might be like fucked up mentally. But they were like, <laughs> yeah, they mentally, kept yeah, saying, like, sure. you've got exactly what we want. You have the right kind of imagination, Father Alton Skysh. <laughs> yeah. And he's just like, yeah, don't I? Yeah, I'm yeah. fucked up. Yeah. When the Germans start getting too creative, things go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is one of those things where I can't remember what it's from, but it it's like, in another, like, for some reason, it's a Werner Herzog thought, like, you know, looking at a schizophrenic and being like, in another life, 
he would have been a shaman, somebody <laughs> to have been worshipped and listened to. And that's the thing. And I almost this... fell asleep. And I say that as a compliment because I, I can fall asleep <laughs> to Werner Herzog's voice in a second. And in this case, like this was like a fucking half schizophrenic that people were listening to. But the problem was that his fucking visions were all demonic they yeah, were all dude. metal Nothing they all fun. came from or, such a horrible place yeah <laughs> now, father alt was 37 when he first heard oh, wow. of annalisa mickle oh. and he'd already had somewhat of a checkered past in the church not criminal checkered mm -hmm. but just a reputation for being difficult okay he was first posted to a hospital in Bonn working with children, but was transferred due to what was called problems with the other fathers. They okay. do not like my presentations to the children about the rivers of blood <laughs> and the clouds of crimson. It's just <laughs> like a lot. It's just a lot, Pastor or Priest. It's just a lot for the kids. You know, can you just talk to them about... Uh, what about like Adam and Eve? Maybe do something like that, or uh, just something to do with the Bible. Noah's Ark. The, uh, Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark. Fun Noah's, animals. We're just the waters rose. No, the no. waters rose, and they watched the horses drown from the brow of the priest's position on the Noah's Ark, and he watched the birds fall from the sky. No one learned anything. You know what? That's good though. You didn't mention menstruation one time, so actually, menstruations. No, you just ruined it. See, Alt was looking for a place where he could live life as a priest in the way he felt it should be lived. From the way it sounds, Alt's view of the priesthood was almost medieval, back when visions and demons were an everyday part of a priest's life. And unfortunately for Annalisa, Father Alt found a home in Bavaria, where such beliefs were not only tolerated, but validated. Mm. It's almost like he was specifically put there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when Father Alt was eventually examined by a neurologist and a psychiatrist during Annalisa Mickle's trial, they found him to be intelligent and analytical. But they also found that his regular visions suggested a schizophrenic psychosis, and his personality was vaguely deemed abnormal. Okay. But Father Alt believed wholeheartedly in what he saw and even spoke of his visions during the trial as proof that holy shit, yeah, I see visions. You can listen to me as an expert on possession. Okay. Yeah, it is not a bug. It is a feature. <laughs> oh, wow. What a strange time to be on the jury. That must have been interesting. Mm-hmm. In one vision that he said occurred around Christmas of 1975, he saw Jesus on the cross in anguish and heard a voice calling out saying, For you. And then I knew it. I honestly, and I was like, Jesus, thank you for doing me a solid, bro. Give him his fucking daps, dude. And then he was like, oh, bring me some water or something. Get me off the crucifix. And I was like, no, bro. This is for me, bro. Yeah, isn't that nice? Fuck you, dude. You fucking stay there, bro. Fucking die in there, bro. And this was the man who performed the majority of the exorcisms on Annalisa McCall. And by the time Father Alt was brought into the game, the team who eventually worked on Annalise's exorcism was already growing. Father Herman had brought in another priest with a fucking amazing exorcist name, Father Roth. Yeah. Ooh. And since Father Alt seemed to be the go-to guy in Bavaria for all things ooky spooky when it came to the Catholics, they brought the case to him. Ooh, like Mulder. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah. Now, by the time they got to Alt... 
The priests had surmised that Annalisa was either being possessed by the devil or at least being molested by the devil, but not <laughs> molested in the sexual way. Thank hmm. you. <laughs> Rather, this was the old usage of molest, meaning to hmm. pester or harass in an aggressive or persistent hmm. manner. Yeah, so me screaming at the middle schoolers across my street till they need to grow up and get a job, that's not me <laughs> diddling molest. That's me audibly right. molest. I remember that episode of X-Files where <laughs> Scully and Mulder had to go stop the screaming Polish person from yelling at the kids. <laughs> so Roth and Harmon asked Father Alt to, quote unquote, tune in on whatever Annalisa was radiating, whether mm. it be physical or spiritual. And this to me is insane because like that, this is why like Catholicism is so much fun because it's fucking magic. They of asked course. him to perform a magical spell and diagnose this woman's affliction. Right. From afar, like he literally did a ritual to visualize like it is no different than ritual magic whatsoever no, at no, all. It like it's the magic. same, it's same exact way of doing it too. He did mm -hmm. remote viewing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was remote viewing and just asking. He used Jesus as his deity. Now, from what Alt claimed, he was able to quickly describe the entire Mickle family once he tuned in, despite having never met them. From Annalisa, he felt an enormous radiation originating from her neck, but he did not detect any illness. Hmm. This, however, did not prove possession. Two days later, Father Herman delivered two letters to Father Alt, one written by Annalisa and one written by her mother, Anna. Mm. Father Alt, however, was unable to read them because he became so nauseated at the thought that he believed he might faint. I am literally allergic to work. Oh, don't you dare make me work. Actually, guys, I'm sorry. We got to end the podcast. I am about to faint. I just have to, I'm just exhausted from all this... City no. working, working, working. No, no, you have to wait for another couple of years before we can all go to rehab for exhaustion. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm really excited great. for. Yeah. With a side of cocaine. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. I can't wait for that exhaustion. Like, what, months, two months, something like that? Like, Dude. I can go, like, you know where I want to go? I want to go, like, you guys remember that scene in Breaking Bad where, like, Jesse gets sent to rehab and, and like, it's like that super nice, like, southwestern thing where it's, like, next to Fans. a pool, but it's in this, like, z dome. <laughs> yeah, God, I I've, I've already, I have a brochure of it up on my, one of my tabs. <laughs> like, one of those places. <laughs> Where you get passages where you just get to go and just sit, and they go like, "You better keep sitting," and you're like, "All right, <laughs> yes, ma'am." <laughs> but then came the supposed attacks, which sound like something out of a mid '70s ripoff of The Exorcist. Father Alt claimed that as he prepared for the transubstantiation for that evening's mass, he included Annalisa in the sacrifice of the body and blood of Jesus. Suddenly, he was hit in the back. The air turned cold. <gasps> an intense burning stench filled the air. But while this molestation did indeed vex him, as he put it, hmm. it could not and did not inflict any real harm. It was just vexing. I will tell you right now, the phantom vexing that came from me from a source that, that is not real and I, a story in which I am making up. I was very cool about it. Oh, that's very nice. Uh, I was trying very to turn much the bread into blood and meat. It's cannibalism. I was just trying to explain it to my aunts. They got all upset. Yeah, Dad, you don't need to do that. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm still happy. I'm just happy you're still fighting your aunts like we're in middle school. They asked me. <laughs> you take them, take them down a peg. They, I didn't want to. I didn't you want to take, take it down. back. I didn't try to take it. Then I was just like, but no, you like it. 
It's mm-hmm. nice. You like it. You know what I mean? That was nice. I I, I smoothed them. Then I bought dinner. Oh, that's great. nice. That's, that, that's nice. Then that's nice. It's, I think uh, one of you know when we're off the call, we can have a, a conversation about a concept called change in the subject. It's I, helped uh, a lot. <laughs> I moved on. <laughs> Texas Pete is a sauce and allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around. It's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try Every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor by Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce and a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some chop. Texas Pete sriracha sauce, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs in a whole bunch of chai. And it started off my day correct. Texas Pete, sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough. But Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with Horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders... I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hi. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. 
Uh, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs, and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt, and I love planting things myself. And fast-growing trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like, I got this uh, Texas sage. It's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there, and it's going to thrive, and it's going to look real good. And I didn't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Well, after the service, Father Alt retired to his room for what he said was the most restless sleep of his life. Even oh, though wow. he'd taken, I couldn't even, yeah, I can't, what the hell does that even mean? Oh, even man. though he'd taken a powerful sleeping pill, his apartment was filled with a variety of stenches that all had a theme. They mm. alternated between an open sewer, okay. burning dung, okay. and plain old shit with a stink level that he described as infernal. Is it possible the sanitation levels? just were not very high yeah, they're it, still rebuilding the country that's it is actually possible they're still rebuilding germany at this point yeah it's just fucking doo-doo everywhere he's got doo-doo on the mind i will say they are have been and i this is not to malign you kissel and your sure. lifestyle there have been some things that you have left in the studio bathroom that i would describe as infernal Sure, yeah, that's absolutely fine. But then that's not demonic. I mean, it well, it is. It, see, what happens is when you order Uber Eats and then you also order Grubhub, right? Because the uh. Uber Eats wasn't coming, so then you end up with McDonald's and Taco Bell. That's what I did on Saturday. I was extremely depressed, and then I did my depressive meals, which is fast food. And then uh-huh. I got both, and then I did actually put some nacho cheese sauce from Taco Bell on a Whop, on a Big Mac, rather. My boy! And uh, it was the single greatest thing that I've ever had in my life. So That's I do recommend it, but I don't, boy. because I can't say I was happy. But I Fuck did yeah, dude. You did a good job. You made corporations compete. (laughs) (laughs) I I think they're all owned by the same companies now. That's how fucking capitalism gets better. You are. (laughs) You did it. Man, you're doing it. You're a hero. You're making America better. I'm telling you. Add a little nacho cheese sauce to a Big Mac and uh, just wow. wait. And also, I, I put a couple of the tortilla chips from Taco Bell on there as well. But anyway, that's for a whole nother show. I don't know what show, but another show. Yeah, Toilet <laughs> Times with Ben Kissel describes <laughs> what he calls his poo-poo seeds, which is what he eats before. Well, during that same night, Father Alt said that he heard the occasional loud thump coming from his wardrobe, and he found he was simultaneously drenched in sweat and frozen to the bone. Oh, no. Finally, after trying to pray with a rosary and reciting an exorcism rite, Father Alt appealed to a saint called Padre Pio. See, in Catholic belief, Padre Pio had been set upon by the devil on a regular basis, tormenting him both physically and spiritually, bruising his body, tearing his clothes, destroying his letters. So the devil just liked to pick on this guy for some reason? Yes, yes. always. He, mol- tried to, he liked to molest him. Okay. Or molest he, uh, we will one day do a series on the saints because we've been talking about this for a while. All the saints got their asses kicked by the devil. Yeah. Why can't there just be one winner saint? 
one that does something Paul, for God. Saint Pe- I think St. Peter ended up having an okay life, didn't he? Well, I one so. kill, I forgot, St. George, I think he's the one that killed the devil. He's the one that put the, the, the archangel be, Michael. To become no, a St. Saint. George, the, yeah, the dragon and all that, yeah. yeah. To become a saint, you got to get something, you got to get, like, hurt. And then, because they try to make a saint, didn't they try to make Ronald Reagan a saint after he was shot? Oh, God. But you got to get fucked up. (laughs) He He wasn't even Catholic. You got to be Catholic to be a saint. I swear to God, there was something like that. But anyway. Well, as a young priest, Padre Pio suffered hallucinations that a celestial being stabbed his stall with a pointed steel blade emitting fire, ripping his entrails to pieces and causing continuous agony. From that point forward, Pio claimed to have suffered from stigmata for the next 50 years. Jesus Christ, man. I think that just, I think it's eczema. Yeah. <laughs> it might be and so when Father Alt called upon Padre Pio, the feces smell was replaced with the intense fragrance of violets. Oh. As though as though he said he had dumped aftershave lotion on his pajamas. I don't like the smell of flowers. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I why do. would somebody put why would somebody put lotion on pajamas? Well, you're you're just going to bed. As, as, yeah, as if he was uh, dumping his, oh, you don't ma- want to ma- masturbate with aftershave lotion? That's terrible. No. Ooh. Ooh, no. Ooh. Sometimes you got to do, it's uh-huh. whatever's in your toiletry bag sometimes, because we've been talking about this. How many hotels have been with? They take the moisturizer out now. Yes, they're, they taking, fucking, they're taking them. It's, it's a war on masturbators. They don't want us to come. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah. Well, he stopped sweating. The chill left him and the pressure on his head disappeared. He slept for an hour, having, as he claimed, six full hours of molestation by some demon or devil. (laughs) Well, once Father Alt told his fellow devil-fearing conservative priests what had happened, they were also suddenly able to smell the same burning dung, open sewer, regular feces, stink wheel that Father Alt had experienced. Mm. Father Alt also noticed that anytime he spoke of Annalisa Mickle, he smelled the same series of stenches. Yeah, same thing. Every single time I see the name James Corden, <laughs> I smell an open sewer. It's incredible. I don't know what it is. Yeah, he improvs. I hate him. Oh, we all do. So after hearing more about Annalise's affliction, Father Alt met her personally. Now, by the time Alt showed up, Annalisa was deeply depressed and looking desperately for someone to believe her. More importantly... I think she was desperate for someone to tell her that her afflictions were a temporary inconvenience that could be prayed away. Or it had at least a simple, like, it, not even simple. Like, it had a solution. Because right, now, right. like, they were putting, they, she had tried various medications. Like, they kept sure. trying to drug her up to try to solve the the this the, the seizure problems. Yeah. But it's it kept coming back, which I don't know why that would happen. I don't really know why, what, why you can't not be meditated. Yeah. They switched medications a few times, um, and also seizure medications can be very strong. Um, they can fuck with you in, ruin in your ways. Life. Yeah, they can ruin you. Yeah. Yes, in, in ways that you where you have to completely relearn how to live your entire life. Wow. Um, so for two weeks, Alt visited Annalisa, claiming to have witnessed her eyes turn black until she became totally absent. Again. Quite possibly a that sounds like a seizure. She com- becomes she became mm-hmm. absent. She became unresponsive. Her pupils quite possibly dilated quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But after he gave her a priestly blessing, he said she went right back to normal. Meanwhile, Annalisa was starting to trust a few more people with her secret. She told a boy named Peter that she was having visions of demonic faces and smelling the stench of burning feces. And despite this, Peter became her devoted boyfriend 
until her death. Wow. It's like when you meet like a real version of a quote unquote manic pixie dream girl, right? Mm-hmm. Where they are actually very unbalanced sometimes. And then you show <laughs> up and you're like, I can fix this. And then mm-hmm. also I'll get some smooch because at this point they're all very conservative, right? So the only way they're going to get full fucking P and V is everybody's got to get married. You got to do all the due diligence. And so him, he was like, I'm laying the groundwork so that like once you get through all this demonic bullshit out of the way, then I can get like, I can get some lick lick from her and or we can be in love or whatever, that kind of shit. But Peter, man, he was there. He was around. He was just like, oh, demons. Yeah, me too. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, I, get, right. I feel your pain. Yeah. I mean, Annalisa McCall was a, she was a beautiful woman. Yep. Um, so I can, I can see. Now, Annalisa claimed that her whole family could smell this burning feces stench. But Peter, somewhat of a lapsed Catholic when he met Annalisa, he said he didn't smell anything. But the more Peter hung around the Mickle house, the more he could smell the burning feces stench. But at the time, Peter suggested all this might be a hallucination. And doctors were starting to find proof that this was the case. On her sixth EEG scan, a doctor named Ergman Schlieb reported irregular patterns in the left temporal area of the brain. Finally, hmm. there was something to point to and say, Ooh. look. Peter did the thing, which I don't know if a lot of boyfriends have done, where you like take a girlfriend to the doctor to be like, can you tell her it's cool that we date? Because <laughs> she's not, there's no demons in her. Can we, you can you end this so that we can make plans to go to Six Flags? Oh, wow, soon. romantic. But around the time that doctors were finally getting somewhere with Annalise's diagnosis, she was being regularly visited by Father Alt, who temporarily made her feel better every time he prayed over her body. And while he did tell her to continue her visits to the doctor for the time being, he also prescribed a stricter religious lifestyle, which only increased her delusions. Mm. Finally, he took her back to the San Damiano Monastery to see if she reacted the same way she had when she went there with her father and Thea Hine. Man, he must have been so fucking excited. Because he's oh, yeah. like, we're going to go, we're going to kick up some fucking ghosts. I'm going to fucking show all y'all. I see demons as well, and you're all going to think it's super fucking rad when we go through this shit. It sounds kind of exhausting, though, too. It is. Yeah. But predictably, she reacted the exact same way, even with a priest at her side. And it was with this that Father Alt became convinced that Annalise's problems were supernatural. So he began discussing the situation with other priests while reviewing the set of conditions that formally diagnose possession. Now, in the Catholic Church, there are strict differentiations between mental illness and demonic possession that must be addressed before a person can be officially diagnosed as possessed. And this was all actually put in, I want to say, in the 2000s, where they finally sat and talked about it, because this this Tanaku uh, exorcism, the Romanian church, like their Christian church, they had to change everything after this woman died as well, to say, mm. like, all right, your eyes are going to have to officially exhaust all psychological reasons first before mm-hmm. we get these guides with the long red beards in there yeah this as follows are the catholic guidelines the possessed must be averse to christ and all christian religion because as they put it mentally ill people can be deeply religious mm. yep the possessed must also speak in a rational manner as the demons speak in the new testament because people with schizophrenia often speak in nonsensical phrases mm. Third, they must have supernaturally obtained knowledge, seeing as how the mentally ill don't have this magical ability. 
Next, the disorder must also affect others in a supernatural manner, or at least people need to believe that they've been affected by the possession in a supernatural manner. Yes. Now, ironically, someone claiming that they're possessed is often seen as evidence that the person isn't possessed and is actually mentally ill because demons are secretive and don't usually voluntarily make themselves known. They are far more craftier villains than man, according mm-hmm. to them. They're crafty. They sneak on you. Like Cenobites. Mm-hmm. The trickster the trickster <laughs> phenomenon, like, which yeah. has been recorded in every single paranormal event possible. It reminds me a little bit of like the psychopath test where psychopaths don't think that they're psychopaths. Mm-hmm. They just necessarily they just uh, say exactly what they did and they don't even understand that it was wrong. Yeah. The final litmus test, which was applied hardest to Annalisa, is that if medicine alleviates the problem, it's not demonic possession. Oh. But if prayer makes things better, then the affliction is most likely diabolical. Ooh. I read this very, very interesting article by a guy named Richard Gallagher, who is a psychiatrist, and this is from WAPO. And if this is a guy who's a psychiatrist whose job it is, he works with the Catholic Church to spot, quote-unquote, true demonic possession. And what he says is that he has recommended it several times for certain things. He said one of the things that still freaks him out to this day, because he was like, I'm, you know, I don't necessarily, I don't know if I believe in demons. He says he is a practicing Catholic, which is why they trust him. But he said the big thing is that when this like when a demon says stuff like describes the way his own parents died and talks about how they died of cancer and that kind of shit that's like when he's just like i don't even know how the fuck they know that shit and that's when he starts to recommend exorcism that weird stuff when they know aramaic but maybe they don't know how to how are they talking in aramaic or latin sure but then aren't there some brain conditions where people wake up sure. and they like see the yeah. universe for what it is and they because might be, well, I'm reminded of the one who the, a fellow who got into a coma and he didn't do he, he wasn't good at math he was just like me and then he woke up and he was a brilliant uh, mathematician all of a sudden so maybe it has something to do with that too yeah I, they also don't know how knowledge works inside of the human brain they don't know right. if you are if you experience something once is it locked in there forever like let's say you saw the fucking uh the was it the the the, the christ movie mel gibson did possession the, passion of the christ passion, passion of the christ, of the christ. Ooh, that was all of the christ possession, yeah. 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 But wouldn't you not like like maybe you saw that and that was all in Aramaic. Maybe you book at you bookmark that somewhere in your brain and then it comes out when you're in a demonic possession, which is closer to a seizure. Who knows? No idea. I I mean, I do have a wooey woo um, theory about possession is that it's quite possible that uh, possession uh, in certain people, the reason why they can, you know, access, you know, certain knowledge, why they can access other kinds of language is that they somehow their brain cracks into their brain cracks, their consciousness cracks and the collective unconsciousness seeps in and they get an unfiltered view of, you know, the whole stream of knowledge. everything which is mm. fucking awful yeah. it's like, awesome. like it's not going to be fun yeah, no no because it it's Twitter. yeah it's all the screaming and the stream is wide but the mm-hmm. eggs are not present thank you so much <laughs> thank you well when father alt showed up to talk to annalisa she reinforced this last condition the one about you know prayer making it better by yeah. saying that she felt a strength from taking communion she said she felt empty before the eucharist but became more like herself Afterward, because it was food and she was hungry. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> honestly, truly, I mean, maybe it could be. She got a carb boost. Yeah, and so on September 9th, nineteen seventy-four, when Annalisa Mickle was twenty-three years old, Father Alt wrote to the local bishop, Bishop Stangle, to ask permission to perform an exorcism. 
Stengel, however, denied the request this first oh, time no. and told Alt to continue his blessings. Why don't you just keep fucking praying and see what happens? Yeah. <laughs> Rejected. <laughs> Eventually, Annalisa got it together enough to attend university in Würzburg, oh. where she studied education and theology. But all the while, she said that inside, she kept hearing a voice telling her that she was eternally damned. And this was a, an extremely devout Catholic woman. Oh. Now, by the time Father Alt showed up again about a year later, in August of 1975, he found Annalisa in a state of deep despair, repeating over and over again that she was condemned. Father Alt tried praying the exorcismus probativus, but Annalisa ripped her rosary to ah! pieces. Oh, whoa. <laughs> and when her boyfriend Peter arrived, she told him to leave in a deep guttural voice. You know that voice. You're married, Marcus. That very, very deep. <laughs> get sometimes out. I've been, get out. <laughs> get out. Get out. Now, by this point, Father Alt was convinced of Annalise's possession. Her friends said that she ordered them to stop praying for her because it hurt. And she stopped going to mass hmm. because she couldn't physically cross the threshold of the church. Jeez. Her epilepsy was also getting worse. Sometimes her legs went stiff like stilts, making it difficult to get around the house without dragging herself along by holding on to tables and chairs. Honestly, dog, it was not a happy house. And it is uh, weird it when you get very sad. Getting tin man legs, I didn't know it could yeah. happen from epilepsy, but I guess yeah. it can where you get these things mm. where you have to like walk around on little pinions. That's mm -hmm. hard. You never know what someone else is going through. That's You're right. right. That's, That's why I always <laughs> yell first in traffic and I don't pull a gun. Yeah. They always leave room for escalation. Why we're not allowing you to get a gun. <laughs> Crossbow, okay, because you can't shoot that out of a car window. It's hard. <laughs> I don't think. The bolts, bolts are hard to keep around. Yeah. 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 Annalisa was constantly frightened and couldn't sleep. And her boyfriend, Peter, who'd come around to Annalisa's claims, explained to others that were frightened by Annalisa's behavior, oh, she's just possessed. What are you oh, going to do? She's just possessed. What are you going to do? She's possessed. What? She's possessed. What are you do? I'm sorry. Sounds what are you going like to do? That's a line from Repossessed, the Leslie Nielsen movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't worry. She's just possessed. She's possessed. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that casual, but it was like he would have to sit down and say, like, um, yes, Annalisa is possessed by a demon, by a devil. We don't know which. She hasn't gotten help yet. But it's, but it's a very, like, it's a serious conversation that you would have, like, you know how people have to, to like sit down and be like, yes, he's bipolar or yes, he he suffers from depression. Like, that's why he is the way he is right? Just, or why he's acting the way he's acting right now. You can just see the southern couple like Tammy and Bruce just sipping their tea. Just, mm -hmm. mm. That's, <laughs> oh, 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 bless her heart. Bless oh, that's her. incredible. Bless her heart. Get out of you here. have to see uh, my girlfriend is my girlfriend is unfortunately possessed, which is um, why we feel we need half off of all of these appetizers. Because <laughs> half of them are feeding a demon. If you, yes, honestly, if you are possessed, you do deserve half off all food. Because you make I'm a saying. great yeah. point, Henry. You're eating not for one, like if you're pregnant or triplets. You're eating you're for eating an for entire half. damnation, an entire no, group of demons. But you're half. That you're half demon, right? And that huh? demon shouldn't be fucking. You should be eating for free if you're also feeding a demon. That's what I'm. That's me. I, okay. But it's around this time that Annalisa began receiving competing visions, not from another devil from what she believed was the Virgin Mary herself. Dude, this is like such a fucking Jodorowsky movie scene. Yeah. She's seeing all of this like fucked up shit, but then in the middle of like seeing shadows turn into these like tall grinning things and things pinning her down and making her piss the bed and the stiff legs, all this kind of shit. All of a sudden she sees the beautiful visage 
of the Virgin Mary, hmm. giving you waves of comfort. Mm -hmm. Interesting. In July of 1975, Peter took an unresponsive Annalisa for a drive. They stopped for a walk, but after she was still for 10 minutes, unable to bend her knees, she suddenly stood and gleefully shouted that she could walk. She was free because according to her, she'd just seen a vision of the Virgin Mary. Okay. Cool. And it's here that Annalisa truly loses all control over the situation. Oh, no. Two months after that vision, she claimed to have been contacted again by the Virgin Mary, except this time, Mother Mary had a message. Get me a big gulp. They don't have them here in heaven. <laughs> really, you know me. She could probably, I think she's a little sick of being the Virgin Mary. If you could find her a good gigolo or something, that might be nice as well. This is what they did. Did the Virgin Mary stay a virgin afterwards? Was she always a virgin? Because no, Jesus had brothers, right? Brothers and sisters, didn't he? If Jesus was real, it depends on what yeah. version of the story you believe. Because there's the belief that Jesus had a whole family. There's a belief mm -hmm. that Jesus, that's the whole Dan Brown yeah, shit, right? Was that he got married. But that's not real. You know I mean? I don't think any of that's real. But yeah, I think, yeah. honestly, I think her whole closed. Mm, okay. I think that she was, uh, she probably had sex. Yeah, more than yeah, likely. If she did yes. have a child, yeah. That's, yeah, it was Joseph. Oh, yeah. that would work. Yeah. Well, this is the Virgin Mary's message. She said that it was a great suffering for her heart that so many souls were being lost in these sinful times. It was necessary, the Virgin Mary said, for Annalisa to do penance for priests, talking about Vatican II. In addition... She also had to do penance for the youth of Germany who are living sinful modern lives. How about for the Nazis? How about you for the nah. Nazis? What are the new ones? What about the Nazis? She sounds like the mom from Waterboy. <laughs> she is just very strict, very mean. Well, then came the question. Would Annalisa, the Virgin Mary asked, be willing to do penance for these many souls so that they would not be lost? Um, do I get a raise in pay or yeah. can I dictate my like hours? Now she definitely should eat for free, at least free appetizers and a free dessert. She can pay for the entree. Mm -hmm. Now, from what Annalisa believed, she had three days to accept or reject the request. And she oh. spent those three days kneeling in front of a crucifix. Ay, ay, ay. Her mother and father, who are apparently in the belief that all this was real, they told her daughter to decline. But Annalisa, it's just so yeah. wild, man. Hold on like, so wild. You're gonna decline the Virgin Say Mary? No. Yeah. Say, Say no. Because they believe that the Virgin Mary is real. They believe the demons oh are gosh. real. They believe okay. that the Virgin Mary came and spoke to their daughter. But they were like, "That's a bit much." Like, you, you, she's asking a little too much here. Maybe you should just. Why don't we worry about the demon thing first, first. and then we let's put a pin, and then we'll put a pin, put a pin in, in the Virgin we'll Mary back, thing. Circle back. Yeah. Circle yeah. back. <laughs> oh my God! This would have been nice actually if she could have done this via Zoom as opposed yeah. to actually having face to go to yeah. face. They, yeah. uh, with Virgin yeah. Mary, because then you can close the computer. Yeah, this whole thing could have been an email. Yeah, I think technically nice. this is the ultimate Zoom. Like, that's yeah, what the burning really bush is. was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Annalisa, though, she believed she could handle it. And she also thought that she had no real choice in the matter because the lost souls would be on her conscience if she denied the request. Somebody's a martyr. Yeah, she does have yeah. that. And with that, Annalisa's illnesses and the church's purposes became intertwined, never to be rendered asunder, even after Annalisa died from starvation due to the negligence of both the clergy and her own parents. And that's where we'll pick back up 
for part two of Ooh. our series. Yeah, oh dude. Goodness. We got at least 69 nice exorcisms coming up because the 67 were the main ones, which he had a mm-hmm. couple before. We're wow. going to go yeah. through some exorcisms. Small ones. Little, little Small bitty ones, exorcisms. pre-ones, pre-games. And then what we'll mm-hmm. do is we'll pre-season. talk a little bit more about like what happens in an exorcism, which I think is mm-hmm. really interesting. Something along this line. I think we did yeah. a little bit when we did the Michael Taylor story, but something like this is so intense and it took so long that like yeah. you really could see this is the process. It beats you up. It mm-hmm. sounds horrible and uh, really sad. Annalisa Mickle, we will talk more about her next week. Thank you all so much for listening to last podcast. Hope everyone is doing well out there. We have, uh, we are so excited. We're going to see y'all in Charlotte this weekend. And I believe yep. in Durham. Durham. Durham and a few other places as well. So we can't wait to be with y'all. And uh, see, South we still Carolina, got tickets available. Yeah. We up in this shit, eating barbecue, having fun, drinking beer. It is fun. My guts don't feel good. I wish I had a vegetable. Um, just like one vegetable that would really yeah. help. One that's not also cooked in pork fat, but that's all S- I have. Sadly, my Taco Bell McDonald's combo was healthier than the golden brown food that I ate all Sunday. Yeah. And, uh, everything deep fried. Real Wisconsin mm. weekend for me. Very, very excited. Uh, but yeah, guys, fucking buy the fucking coffee. Springle yeah. Jack Mothman coffee. We're going to be out here. And uh, that's it. Come back yep. next week. And of course, we have our weed vapes. If you want those, please pick those up. I uh, went to sleep yesterday because of our Indica, which was very nice. It actually really helped me rest. And uh, so, yeah, keep on supporting. Soul Plumber 2 Thank is so out much. there. Yes. Fucking call mm-hmm. the comic book stores. Get that yeah. shit coming. All right, bro. Second printing of uh, Soul Plumber number one is going to be coming out Woo-hoo. here pretty soon. So keep an eye out for that make sure to go to your local comic book store and uh request a copy if you miss the first one absolutely okay everyone well hope you're happy and uh, healthy and safe out there and we will see you on the road very soon and of course keep on supporting all the other shows here that you love on the lpn network or the uh, last podcast network thank you um, yeah, because LPN Network would be redundant. Would that is. Network. Yeah. All is. right, everyone. And it makes us sound stupid. It makes us sound dumb when we get <laughs> it wrong. everyone. I am possessed with chicken nuggets. Hail Satan. Coming to me, Satan. I made a bed for you. Coming to you me, Satan. You better be careful, brother. I want to fucking levitate. <laughs> oh, my God. You can just see the devil just <sighs> heaving. Just getting ready. Just be like, <sighs> well, technically, at least he's an actor size. You're going to want to use your knees, devil. Yeah. Don't worry, devil. He's bigger on the screen, you see. They're smaller in real life. It's actors. Now, Gein. Oh. Yes. Magustalations. Hell don't get possessed man. this weekend. Don't, not hey, don't man. get possessed. You're allowed your to. Bottle. I don't even know how you do it. Cock your bottle? The, it's through the television. We also repossess. Oh, that's true. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I eat mayonnaise for fun. 
It's a hobby of mine. It's an addiction. It's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod.